Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show Listen I'm feeling really good about where I'm at right now I Listen, I'm coming in hot today I am prepared, I am frustrated I'm losing my marbles Actually, let me rephrase rephrase that I'm not losing my marbles Y'all are losing your marbles (laughs) I'm coming in hot, man Listen, let me tell you I got a lot to get into today I got a lot of thoughts, a lot of ideas Look, I'm well prepped I told you a long time ago That this whole thing is a journey This whole show is a work in progress the idea is to continue to get better, continue to grow, continue to expand the the cyber family. And so with each passing week, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer and closer and closer uh, to, to, to hitting my stride. Right. Like, I feel like I'm still just getting started. Well, this this is where we, we turn the corner because I've I feel like I've finally gotten past the point where um, I'm still trying to find where my perspective is. And I figured it out. I got it now. And so this whole week I've been watching what's going on in sports and, and taking notes and prepping the show day by day. Anything, the topics that come up, things that I think, things that I see that I feel are worth uh, me talking about. And I've not- I started noticing a pattern in the way that mainstream uh, sports media is beginning to cover things, you know, like it, it, it's it's getting bonkers. I feel like the perspective is gone. I feel like the the ultimate goal, the end game is gone. We are now playing favorites. Right? We have our favorite guys, our favorite players. We like we like this guy. So we hold them to different standards. We like this team. We like that sport. We like that coach. Ah, different standards for everybody. Well, not me, baby. Nope. <laughs> I'm holding you all to the standard of excellence. So today, you'll notice the theme. Today is, what's the end game? What, like, what's the goal? What are we trying to do here, right? At the end of the day, what are we trying to accomplish in this sport, right? So when you hear me go through these topics, just keep in mind that the whole thought process for me is, what is the end game? What are we trying to get to? Let's stop beating around the bush. Let's start this thing. Welcome back, Cyber Family. I've missed you. If this is your first time listening, welcome. This is Sometimes I'd Be Right. I am your host, John Fast, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally. Bye-bye. So I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. I am fired up this week. I got some great topics. So let's get in some quick hits. Quick hits. Quick hits. So right off the rip... Uh, I want to talk about the Knicks. So the Knicks, as I record this, are two and one. Obviously, it's just three games. Not really a big deal. But I will say this. Uh, two things I notice. Actually, three. Number one, Jalen Brunson, worth every penny. All right. He's a perfect fit for the Knicks. This is what they've been looking for. He's a steady player. Reliable, patient, calm, always under control. Never seems reckless or going too fast or trying to do too much or make too much happen. He's just a solid player. That's what the Knicks need at point guard. That's what most teams need at point guard is a reliable, steady guy who's just going to get his job done. And that's it. And he's not needy. He doesn't seem like he needs to shoot a bunch. He needs the ball. He's not looking like he's ready to complain or mad at anybody. He's just playing basketball. That's what they need in New York. A tough guy, a steady guy, a reliable. That's number one. Number two, there's a real lack of a go-to guy on the Knicks right now. 
You know who would have filled that role? Donovan Mitchell. When they're going down the stretch and they need a bucket, who are you turning to? You don't have a guy on the Knicks that you feel like, hey, we need a bucket. Yo, get him the ball. That's what Donovan Mitchell would have done. And if you haven't noticed, R.J. Barrett, I'm not going to say it's the pressure. I'm not going to say it's all the expectations. I'm not going to say it's everything going on with the summer. But the guy is who I thought he was. So far this year, R.J. Barrett looks exactly as he's looked since he came into the league. He's a guy who on any given night could give you 25 or 30, but most likely is going to give you about 17, 18 points, not shoot very well and have a couple questionable plays. He's okay. I've said this a million times. He's Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins on Golden State. Perfect. You're the third option. You're the third guy. Whatever you give us, icing on the cake. We don't need you to give us anything. Therefore, he fits in well. When the guy's over in Minnesota and you need him to be the guy, eh, that's not what he is. And that's okay. R.J. Barrett is a great third option. So in the summer, when the idea of trading for Donovan Mitchell came up, guess what I said? Get him out of here. <laughs> I'm ready to let this guy go because you keep telling me all the potential he has. But at some point, I'm the Knicks. I'm a dog do franchise. We've been bad forever. I don't need potential. Give me the commodity now. I need players now. Should have traded him. And the other guy you didn't trade, Quentin Grimes, not playing yet. Hey, did you need him? He might be, again, they might be great, but I am trading what might be for what I know is. I will take what is now if I'm the Knicks over potential. And look, hey, it's still early. Not saying RJ Barrett's trash. I don't think he's trash. I just don't think he's the guy that they hope that he will be. I think in the NBA, when you have guys coming in out of high school, out of college in year one, you can kind of tell they're a guy. Name me the last great basketball player, the last great NBA player, the last top 10 in the NBA who you thought after three years that he might develop. You know, when you know, you know, there's never been a guy coming out of college. You said eh, maybe he still got potential. No, you know, year one, that's going to be a dude. Even if he isn't that dude in year one, you can see it. Just look at the last five years. How long did you need for to know that Luca was going to be a guy? How long did you need to know that John Morant was a guy? How long do you need to know? Like, keep going down the list. There's guys who you can tell ah, he's he's going to be he's he's got it. And no one can sit here definitively and say that R.J. Barrett's got it. I'm done. I'm done. You know what? I'm done picking on the guy. It should have traded him. <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about is Ohio State uh, completely washed Iowa over the weekend, 54 to 10. But watching the game, I, I found myself and I found the commentators having a lot of conversations about how good is Ohio State actually in that game it was ugly it was messy wasn't clean Iowa's got a really good defense even then Ohio State should have they settled for a bunch of field goals they've made mistakes turnovers things like that it was an ugly game and what I realized when the commentators are talking about you know Toledo's the only team Ohio State's beat with a winning record and they're talking about well how good are they actually how good are they actually are they really that good or is it the schedule is it this is it that and I started realizing, man, the expectations at Ohio State are insanely high. You could win a game 54 to 10 in a game that honestly wasn't even that close. And there could still be questions over eh, how good are they really? 
it's wild if you look at the numbers for ohio state this year they're insane and yet there's still people who will question eh, are they as good as that team the expectations are sky high and i'm here for it as a fan of ohio state i love it because it lets me know that the standard has been set that the excellence is there and that your team is playing that mindset the saint michigan see michigan's having a good year i guess but when you watch the games eh, are you really impressed honestly they struggled a bit against iowa as well they didn't win 54 to 10 i think it was like 24 to 19 or something stupid like that it, it again good for you guys the standards are different at Ohio State. It's really high expectations. Just It's interesting to see that uh, they get criticized. It was like years ago when it was like, oh, they can't beat the SEC. Okay, the number one conference in college football, their champion is better than everybody else. Ohio State gets to the championship game and loses to that team who everyone already acknowledges is coming out of the best conference in America. And somehow Ohio State is overrated or trash. I don't get it. But again, it hit me last week. The standards are sky high. I love it as a fan. That's what you want. So I I, I picked last week, I picked Syracuse um, to win against Clemson. And I said, uh, Clemson is there to be had. I said, I don't know what it is, but there's something about Clemson. I just don't buy it. They just look off. They look like they're there to be had. And if you watch that game, Syracuse had them. Syracuse folded down the stretch with a string of really bad penalties at bad times, fell apart, and lost that game. But if you watched it, can I just ask? You see what I'm seeing, right? Like, you see what I'm seeing in Clemson, where Clemson, like, yeah, they're winning, but eh, it, eh. It's, not, it's not the same something's off they're there to be had their quarterback room is in shambles now dj ungalele i'm saying that wrong i apologize bro <laughs> but he's benched now you can't put him back in what's the point you know what i mean but i'm just saying clemson's there to be had i only say this because i'm not crazy all right i know y'all try to make it seem like i'm crazy when i make these picks but i'm not crazy i have I, i'm seeing things and i feel like if you pay attention you'll see it too my next thing is uh, over the weekend, uh, Taylor Heineke ended up um, playing for Washington, right? Uh, in place of Carson Wentz. And what I want to say is different isn't always better. This is one of those situations where teams do this over and over and over and over. It happens all the time. Just because you're getting a different quarterback doesn't mean you're getting a better one. Same thing with the Colts. Okay. They got Matt Ryan. He's being benched. All right. Again, different doesn't mean better. Taylor Heineke has earned the respect from that team, from his teammates, from the coaches, from the city. Like that guy is tough. He plays hard. He's super competitive. That team loves him. They love playing for him. They love playing with him. And yet you went out and brought in Carson Wentz. Look, Carson Wentz isn't vastly better than Taylor Heineke. If you look at their career and their production, what has Carson Wentz done that you feel like Taylor Heineke can't? He ain't done nothing. He's He had one, one good season that was cut short by injury, which let's be honest, if he didn't get injured, it probably falls apart towards the end, right? Like that's what his career has shown you, okay? So you brought that guy in to replace him for what? In my opinion, 
again, I said it about Aaron Rodgers. We'll get into that more later. Bruh, I'm just going to ride it out. If I don't have something that's obviously head and shoulders, no doubt, without question, better, I'm going to just stick with what I got. That's it. Different isn't always better. Carson Wentz is different than Taylor Heineke. But look, if the team is playing for the quarterback, that's all you can ask for. They will run through a brick wall for that guy. They love him. He loves them. That team plays better under him. That team plays better with him. They feel better. Stick with it. Hey, Washington, you made a mistake. Carson Wentz, cut him. Don't even keep him on the roster. Bye. And lastly, uh, I saw yesterday um, watching TV that the question of has Justin Herbert been anointed too early came up and everyone started bringing up these stats. Oh, he's got this many interceptions. He's got that. He's got a losing record. Blah, 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 blah. Here's what I'll say. Look, no, the answer is no, he hasn't been. And I'll tell you why. Here's what I think. I've been saying forever separate results from ability because someone's ability to play quarterback is not always tied to the result of them playing quarterback you cannot tell me you cannot tell me justin herbert is not one of the five most talented quarterbacks in the nfl you wouldn't sit here and say you can name six guys more talented than justin herbert you can't that is why he is considered so good because the talent is undeniable watch him play every single game you watch you will see two to three throws in that game that will make you say oh boy how how did he do that it happens all the time without fail that's what he's being judged by if the team's not successful, hey, look, man, we could go on and on about why, how, who, who's to blame, blah, 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 whatever it is you want to do. That's fine. But the reality is, how good is he? Elite talent. Now, he's still young. He's still young. <laughs> That's still my guy. That's still my, if I'm, if I'm starting a franchise today and I have to take one quarterback, it's, I struggle between him and uh, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, I just, I just, they're, I, I'm taking Burrow, but Herbert is very close second. It's like a one A one B situation because Herbert is supremely talented. Uh, love his attitude. I mean, look, he takes chances. He definitely does take some chances. Um, he makes some throws where you say, "Oh, probably shouldn't have tried that one," but hey, man. It happens. And the season's still young. If the guy goes on to win a Super Bowl this year, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? If they get on a hot streak and they get into the playoffs and they make a run to the Super Bowl and the Chargers win the Super Bowl, was he anointed too early? That's my point. Forget the results at this point when you're talking about how good a player is. Focus on what they can do and how good that player is. Come on. Come on now. That boy good. All right, that's it for quick kids. You know, I try to keep quick hits uh, quick. Sometimes there's nothing you could do. Sometimes I get on a roll and I I just can't help it. <laughs> but I want to get into something. So I, I, I want to talk a lot about the NFL and I want to talk a little bit about the NBA. 
Um, and then I'll end this thing by, you know, I, I have to, I don't want to, but I have this question in my brain that came up. So we'll ask, we'll talk about the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight this weekend. It's look, the promotion of it is obnoxious. Like they're trying to make it that I, I see that they're trying to pump it up, but I think there's no interest there, which is what brought up the question that I'm going to ask, but I'll save that for later. What I wanted to start with though, is this week, um, the Carolina Panthers traded Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. And there's some fans that are like, oh, boo, how could you trade on me so good, blah, blah, blah. And when they did it, I, I gave them a standing ovation. And uh, if you remember, uh, was it over the summer or was it last year? I'm pretty sure it was this summer, right? It had to be the summer. The idea of trading Aaron Rodgers came up. And I said, yeah, I'd trade him in a heartbeat. And everyone said, oh, you can't trade Aaron Rodgers. You can't trade Aaron Rodgers. And I asked the question, if you, I'm not winning with you, then what's the point of keeping you? I, and, and what the Panthers did is exactly what I was saying they should do with Aaron Rodgers. Christian McCaffrey is good. He's really good. Some might even say he's great. Perfect. We have him. We're still losing. What's the point? What's the point? If at the end of the day, our goal, mission, and objective is to win a Super Bowl, if we're not winning with Christian McCaffrey, what can I get without him? And they got a bunch of draft picks, nothing special, nothing exceptional, but you got a bunch of extra draft picks that you can either A, make picks, or B, maybe package with something during the draft to trade up for a guy you really love. Right? So that's that's what I was saying about Aaron Rodgers is, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is great. Cool. But we haven't won a Super Bowl since 2009. So if I don't win the Super Bowl with him and I won't win it without him, what difference does it make? What can I get, though? And for Aaron Rodgers, you're going to get first round picks out the wazoo. Right? That's what you would have gotten. It's all-time highs. Guys couldn't wait, begging you, please send me this. I'll give you whatever you want. Blank check. And instead, they held on to him. And look at you now. Look at you now. If you're the Packers, are you thinking, man, we should have pulled the trigger on that one? So I love the fact that Carolina traded Christian McCaffrey. Because, again, yeah, he's good. But we're losing anyway. So if we're not going to win a championship with them, then let's see if we can get a bunch for them and see if we can build a championship roster. I love the move. I applaud. I think more teams should do things like that. Sticking on the same topic of what's the end game uh, in football, I thought that the end game was to win a Super Bowl. That's what everyone's fighting for. There's no participation trophies. There's no moral victories. It's all about winning the chip, right? That's what I've always believed. Recently, though, this year, I, I don't know if it's because I'm paying attention more or if this is really a change in a uh, shift in the culture of the game, but I've noticed guys getting praised for things that we know aren't going to win a Super Bowl. So I'm going to ask you a question. And I want an honest opinion. There's two guys I noticed this about. And I'm going to ask the question. And I want you to just think for a second and answer me and answer honestly. 
Number one, do you honestly think Kenny Pickett is good enough to win a Super Bowl? Question number two, do you think Daniel Jones is good enough to win the Super Bowl? Now, if you answer yes to either one of those questions, hey, man, I would love to have a conversation with you. Hit me up online. Let me know. Let's go back and forth. I'd love to know where your head's at. What I would say is as good as the Giants are playing, as good as they're playing, six and one, five and one, six and one. Great. Awesome. But you can watch the game and see they're winning with smoke and mirrors. You don't you don't believe the way that that you know what you don't think the Giants are going to win a Super Bowl. Right. We all agree. Six and one. None of not a single person on this planet honestly thinks the Giants are one of the best teams in the NFL. We you don't think that they're going to beat the Bills or the, the Chiefs. Or even the Eagles or, you know, there's the 49ers you think they would struggle with. Right. Like. And that's my point. So on Monday Night Countdown, they're raving about Daniel Jones and how they changed the offense and they made it easy for him. One read, if it's not there, you take off and they've just simplified it for him and he's able to make plays. It's not great. It's not special, but it's working fine. But aren't you just saying, hey, let's baby him because, you know, we don't want him to fail or fold. So we'll make it easy for you. But we know that that's not going to win. That's not a winning formula. That's not going to win a Super Bowl. Their defense is not nearly good enough to say our offense can be trash. Our quarterback is going to be just iffy, but the defense will carry us. They're not that team. And Saquon, look, I don't want to put a hex on him or whatever, but he's due to get hurt, especially if you're using him a lot. So at some point, you need Daniel Jones to do what every Super Bowl team does is he needs to go win some games, throwing the ball. Well, your receiver core is trash, and Daniel Jones is all right. I think the problem is, it's bothering me because you guys, the national media, said Daniel Jones was trash. I never said Daniel Jones was trash. Daniel Jones is okay. He's solid. He's not the worst quarterback in the league. He's just not the best. Right? He's on the lower end because, eh, we just... Seen enough to know that Daniel Jones ain't going to carry the day, right? He can make some plays, though. But if your expectation is Daniel Jones is the worst quarterback in the NFL, and then you see him play this year and he's doing okay, then you might be willing to overpraise. But again, if at the end of the day, the goal is to win the Super Bowl, do you honestly think that the Giants and Daniel Jones this year have any shot at winning a Super Bowl? And the same applies for Kenny Pickett. Because what's starting to happen with Kenny Pickett is Kenny Pickett is not trash. I don't think he's very good, but he's not trash. He can make a throw, kind (laughs) of. Look, I watched the game. I watched the game, right? I watched the the Sunday night game against um, the Dolphins. And I got to tell you, 95% of his throws are three to four yards beyond the line of scrimmage. That is their offense. When you watch the Steelers play, there is no doubt in your mind, that's not going to work long-term. You can't do that. Now, I get it. He's a rookie. But here's the difference. Four years at school. 
He didn't. He he was there. He went back to school. The guy is older, a little more mature, came in. The expectations are high. If you're going to put the kid gloves on him, that's fine. But acknowledge that they're kid gloves and stop praising the fact that he's completing a couple passes. Stop praising the fact, oh, he's tough. Yeah, that's what they say about guys who they know aren't that talented. But, hey, we don't want to trash him because we like him. I get it. Kenny Pickett's very likable. There's nothing wrong with the guy. I have a beef in a vendetta because Bailey Zappi's still getting trashed. Well, who's Bailey Zappi when you could have said the same thing about Kenny Pickett a year ago? Who the hell was Kenny Pickett coming into last season? Nobody was drafting this guy. Now, all of a sudden, he's the only one. Look, Bailey Zappi's better than Kenny Pickett. I think that will that will bear out if he's given the opportunity. But that's different. I'm going off on a rant because I'm getting mad. <laughs> The point is, when you have guys like this and when you have teams that play this way, we all know that that's not what's going to win a Super Bowl. But yet we keep, you know, we keep overlooking it and praising the guy and giving him a pass because we like him or because we just need to have talking points. And then we take guys like Justin Herbert, who are vastly superior in terms of talent to these guys. And because they're being asked to do a lot more. Like, look, Justin Herbert is being asked and being required to do and expected to do far more than Daniel Jones. And if you're going to be critical of Justin Herbert, then you can't give any praise to Daniel Jones, who's being babied this year, who's not being asked to do too much, who's being said, hey, if the first read's not there, then go. Then run. No, they're not on the same level. And that's my point. You want to be critical of one, baby the other, and then give the one who's being babied the praise as if he's doing something actually impressive. You're not impressed. Look, I got a bet with my best friend about, you know, who's going to win more games, the Cowboys or the Giants. So I'm deeply invested in the Giants' failure. (laughs) But even then, I'm not impressed. I give them credit. Look, as a fan, as a fan of the Giants, you'd have to be super excited. You got six wins already. You're a couple more wins away from locking up a playoff spot. Like That's awesome. The first time in forever you can actually enjoy your season. Your team is playing hard. I will say that. They're playing hard. But let's not go crazy with the praise because it's all smoke and mirrors. And at some point, the bottom's going to fall out. And then the real Giants are going to show up. And you're going to be right back where you were. I just don't want you to fall from that high. That's all. Now it's time for me to alienate myself uh, with Cowboys Nation. I'm going to make a statement and I'm going to say it. And uh, I've, I finally have accepted it. I've thought it for a long time. I fought it for a long time. But I'm ready to accept the reality. I'm done with Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is not the guy. I was just talking about Kenny Pickett or Daniel Jones. Do I think they could win a Super Bowl? Do you honestly think Dak Prescott is good enough to win a Super Bowl? I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out on Prescott. Now, there's a couple reasons, right? I don't believe that Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback. I don't. I don't. I just don't think that's who he is. I think he's a good player. I think he can do a lot of things well. I think he's capable of winning games. I think he's capable of completing passes and blah, 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 blah. I think if everything around him is perfect, sure, he's more than capable of riding the wave. 
But I think when you want him to do something, when you put it on him to do something, it's not good. Look, the Lions were the worst defense in the league by far. In almost every category you could think of, they are garbage. And the fact that Dak Prescott struggled the way he did against them, I don't care that he hasn't played in six weeks. I don't care that he's got receivers he hasn't really played with. I don't care. I don't care. What I care about is you're throwing in the triple coverage. That ain't got nothing to do with reps, bro. That's just a bad decision. And it's not just this game. It's not even just the first game. Look, every time someone wants to praise Dak Prescott, they bring up these stats. And you know what the stats are always based around? Yards. Now, so I get it. Chris Collinsworth, Troy Aikman, whatever. You might not watch all the games. It's not your job. You got a job to do. You out there watching a different game. But as a fan, if you're a Cowboys fan like me and you watch the games, come on, we can look at it and see. How many times have you seen the Cowboys go down two, three scores, and then all of a sudden Dak Prescott starts throwing for a bunch of yards? And then they get close to coming back, and they can't make it over to hump, and ah, man, you look up, and Dak Prescott, 385 passing yards. Whoa, how'd that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. The other team got up big, started playing a little prevent, a little zone defense, keeping everything in front, let you complete your little passes. It don't matter. Complete, though, we don't care if you complete passes. We're just not going to give up points. So in the late in the second half of games, yeah, you could rack up an extra 150, 200 yards passing easy because they're giving you the short throws. Like, we're not, we're up by, we're up by 14 points. We're up by 18 points. Don't matter. A great example I would give is in the playoff game against um, the Packers when they got down 21 to 3. And Dak Prescott was absolutely trash. Then all of a sudden, they get down like 28-3. Prescott starts coming back, completing passes, racking up a bunch of yards, and they get close. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, can't be mad at Prescott. He did his job. No, he didn't. He got a bunch of garbage yards and garbage time to get garbage stats that you now can claim, oh, he threw for 5,000 yards. Yeah, but when they needed him to do something early in the game to set a tone, they never set the tone. Oh, he won 11 straight games as a rookie. Yeah, with the leading rusher in the NFL, with what was considered the best offensive line in the NFL, and they ran the ball more than they threw it. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't mess it up. But in 2016, don't get it twisted. You don't think Dak Prescott was the most important player on that team. Nah, Zeke was. Dak Prescott wasn't even the best player. Zeke was. That was the difference. And there's no doubt in my mind if if Tony Romo doesn't get hurt, that's a Super Bowl team. Because the only reason why they didn't get to the Super Bowl is because Dak Prescott wasn't good enough to carry him there. You would have put Tony Romo with that running game? Woo! Woo! Would have been deadly. You want to know how I know? Because when he had DeMarco Murray, it was deadly. And they came within a bad call a bad catch against Dez call from getting to the championship game. Going back to Seattle where they had already won and they weren't afraid and they were excited for the matchup. That's how I know if you would have put him with the league's number one rushing offense again. And put it this, I'll put it to you this way. If you had Tony Romo instead of Dak Prescott, I promise you the defenses would have had to respect the pass a lot more than they did with Dak. That Cowboys team would have been 
would have won the Super Bowl. In my opinion, Super Bowl champs. Because who you, you can't stop Zeke. And if you're trying to stop Zeke, you're leaving Tony Romo, who who is coming off of an MVP caliber season. Come on, man. Stop. If the game plan, time in, time out, is to, A, force Dak to throw the ball, force him to beat you, stop Zeke, and then take your chances with Dak, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out. I understand. Well, you got to make every team one-dimensional. That's fine. But nobody's telling you to beat the Bills, make Josh Allen throw the ball. Hell no. Make Patrick Mahomes sit in the pocket and throw the ball. No. Dak Prescott strikes fear in no one. I'm out. As a, look, as a fan, I'll root for. Obviously, I'm going to continue to root for him. That's my team. I don't want Dak Prescott to fail. I want him to be great. It's my quarterback. <laughs> but the reality is, is as a man, I just got to accept the fact. Look, as a fan, also I know that my quarterback's not very good. There's a reason why when Cooper Rush came in. The team didn't really, it didn't look much different. Because they, they, Dak Prescott's not that much better. Now, obviously, he's better. I, I agree with you. But if this were Madden and Prescott was an 85, Cooper Rush is like an 80. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And again, I, I said it before, when you put Cooper Rush in there, you play like you have a backup. When you put Prescott in there, you play like you have a franchise quarterback and an elite quarterback, and you don't. And you get the results you get. The Cowboys are going to have to lean on their defense, run the ball, and that's how they're going to win. And in nowhere does that sound like Dak Prescott is the guy. That sounds like, hey, uh, we got to work around our deficiency, which is our passing game. And I know you're going to say, oh, but he doesn't have weapons. Yeah, he doesn't have weapons because they give him credit for being elite to where he doesn't need to have the weapons. We don't need to overpay for a top flight receiver because our quarterback is elite and he can get the best out of everybody. He can't. And we're finding that out. So I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers now. Because I, like I said earlier, think they should have traded him. They wouldn't have this problem, but that team is falling apart. Aaron Rodgers is having problems with his teammates. And I think the reality is that no one wants to say is I don't think they like him. I've been saying for years, I think Aaron Rodgers is a D-bag. I do. I think he's one of those guys who's just, ugh, I don't like you, bro. That's what I think. And I think what happened is when you have veterans who have been around someone long enough and seen him at their apex, then you kind of give him a pass like, yo, he's a jerk, but he could play. And now we're getting to a point where I don't think he really loves football like that anymore. I think he feels like he proved his point. I think his life outside of football has taken some turns that has gotten his him interested in things that excite him far more than football. That's fine. That's life. That's what happens. But as a result, I don't think he's at his apex. And so I think these young guys coming in came in with a sense of, whoa, Aaron Rodgers. And then once you kind of get to know him, you say, oh, Aaron Rodgers. And you're not seeing him perform at like an elite ungodly level. 
And so you kind of say, yo, you need to chill. Because he's coming out and saying things like guys making mistakes should get their playing time cut. Yo, hold on, bro. Don't tell don't tell the coaches they need to bench me because I, I ran left when I was supposed to go right. And let's be honest, how much of that is on him versus the receivers? So here's my question, right? So here's what came up to me. The, the, the talk seems to be that Aaron Rodgers is struggling with his supporting cast because the receivers are running wrong routes. He doesn't have great talent, blah, 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 blah. And that's affecting his play. And my question is, well, then when he was great, what was the supporting talent then? Because I heard for years that the Packers didn't have great weapons. And look what Aaron Rodgers is doing with nobodies. He's got no receivers, blah, 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 blah. I heard that for years. But if he had no receivers then and he was able to be great and you said it was because he's so great and he's got no receivers now and he's not able to be great. But you say it's because he doesn't have any receivers. So are we acknowledging that he's gotten worse? Or are we acknowledging that a the receivers he used to have a lot better than we ever gave him credit for? Just because you don't consider them top flight without a doubt best in the NFL doesn't mean they're not good don't care what you say Deion Branch was a good receiver was he a number one no was he the best in the league no but he was still a good receiver pair him with a good quarterback he's going to be productive send him to Seattle with garbage where you're asking him to carry the load that's not what he's good at so of course he didn't excel there doesn't mean Tom Brady was doing it with bums get my point so we need to stop doing this if Tom Brady's supporting cast is trash and that's why he's struggling then when it turns around If they start picking it up, then we can't say, look what Aaron Rodgers is doing with this supporting cast. No, we have to say the supporting cast stepped up and now Aaron Rodgers looks like Aaron Rodgers is supposed to look. But no, what you're going to do is give all the credit to Aaron Rodgers again and ignore the fact that, that he has the same supporting cast and they're playing better now. I I see it happening already. And this is what upsets me. This is what frustrates me. This is why I need to exist in this space. Because it's okay to say that a quarterback needs receivers to make plays. All the quarterback is doing is throwing it to a spot. If he don't have a guy there to catch it, he ain't completing a single pass. I don't care how good a quarterback is, he can't make a guy catch the ball. Can't. Aaron Rodgers could be the greatest quarterback that's ever walked the face of the earth. If he's throwing it to a spot and there's nobody standing there, incomplete. Yes, sometimes the quarterback is far better than the talent he has around him. Great. But in this situation, y'all have been talking about how Aaron Rodgers could win with anybody. He's now got anybody and he ain't winning. So accept the fact that you were wrong, that philosophy is wrong, that's stupid. You need a good quarterback who needs good receiver talent and that's how you win. That's it. That's it. Simple formula. Stop giving one side all of the credit. And then when it doesn't work out for that one side, you want to blame everybody else. Aaron Rodgers is a jerk. He's done things in the last couple years to prove it to you. 
Devontae Adams left to go play with someone else. You could say it was money. You could say it was Vegas versus Green Bay. I don't think so. I don't think I think Devontae Adams wants to win. Wasn't winning with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is probably very difficult to be around. He went to go to a better place. I want to touch on the Lakers. Yep, this is not hate. But this is something I noticed early in the year. So this has happened for years. This happens to everybody. So this isn't hate. Right, let me start by saying this is not hate. But I think the Lakers are making a big mistake. See, I feel like the Lakers are still trying to live in this space of we have LeBron so we can win a a title. The reality is, is you can't. LeBron James is no longer good enough to just pencil him into the chip. No longer good enough. I don't care what team you put. It's not a lock anymore with LeBron. There was a time period. As much as I hate to say it, there was a time period where, hey, final, what team is LeBron on? All right. They, they represent whatever conference, whether it's the East or the West. It don't matter. Put a pencil him in there. He's going to be there. That time is gone now. The time is past. LeBron's older and he needs more help around him. He needs more guys around him to carry the load. Now, that's not a knock. The dude is 38 years old. This is what's supposed to happen. I think if nothing else, it's it's been remarkable that it's taken this long to get to this point. But something that the Lakers have done uh, that I noticed this year is they'll try to give LeBron a break. They'll give him a rest. If they got a little bit of a lead, they'll take him out. Now, what happens is when LeBron comes out, the rest of the team kind of I guess they get giddy because they finally have a chance to play and they feel like, oh, let me go make my mark, earn my minutes or whatever. And so things kind of go south. And as soon as they start going south, here comes LeBron getting up off the bench to go back in the game and save the day. To me, that's a mistake. I think at this point, let LeBron stay on the bench. I think LeBron is playing way too many minutes at this stage in his career. Nah, rest him. Rest him. Look at your schedule and say, here's the games we have to win. Here's the games we think we can win without them. And take the games where you feel like you can kind of win without them and minimize his minutes. So that in the event, if you do get to a playoff run or you get down the stretch and you guys are within striking distance of making a playoff run, you have a prime healthy LeBron rather than a beat up LeBron because he was going hard against Sacramento in the fourth week of the season. And I think by doing that, you'll also get the rest of the team to learn how to do things and deal with conflict and, 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 and some opposition without LeBron saving the day. It might give someone like a Westbrook confidence to say, hey, you trust me to, to get this done? It might give someone like Anthony Davis the opportunity to say, hey, dog, it's on you. We need you to take this home instead of everyone always looking over at LeBron like, yo, LeBron, uh, go, come here, come here, help, help, help us out because LeBron's not capable of doing that anymore. Now, I know LeBron's going for the, the points record and Kareem's record and all that stuff, and that's cool. That's great. But man, it's 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 hard to watch. 
And I think if you're the Lakers front office, you need to start setting up that transition to life without LeBron, life without Westbrook and life without Anthony Davis, to be honest with you, because I would get rid of all three. Bye. That's my opinion. That's just how I view it. Sticking with basketball. The 76ers uh, are probably going to win a bunch of games. I know they started off 0-3. But look, they got talent. They got good players. But here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to come out and I'm going to say it early. Whenever I see Philly, whenever I watch them, whenever I hear them, there's something that always sticks in my brain. They don't. They don't want to win games for each other. And I know the example I'm going to use is Golden State, and I know that they are very rare. Um, but I'm starting to see this with the Knicks. When I watch the Knicks play, those guys seem like they're fighting for each other. It seems like they want to do it for each other. The Sixers seem like James Harden wants to win a championship for James Harden. For his legacy, for what he what what that's gonna mean for him. Joel and B wants to win a chip for what that's gonna mean for him. He wants to win MVP because he wants the recognition. When you look at like the Bucks and Giannis, Giannis don't want to win a championship so that he could be solidified as anything. He wanted to do that for his teammates, for the coaches, for the city. He was fi- fighting for them. When you look at Middleton taking the sacrifices he does, he was doing it because he's trying to support Giannis. Yo, my guy right here. I got to do this for him. There's a selflessness to it. And when you watch the 76ers, they seem like a group of players who are talented, but all want it for a different reason. And none of those reasons include because the guy next to me, like James Harden's not saying, look, Joel Embiid is a great player and doesn't get the respect he deserves. And if he were to win a championship, then we could properly appreciate him. So I'm going to fight like hell to make sure he gets that. That would be cool, but he's not. James Harden just wants, you know, people to, he wants to be able to look at people and say, look at my stats and I got a chip. You can't say nothing. I'm one of the best ever. That's it. And that's why Joel Embiid comes into the season out of shape because he's in it for himself. He feels like, well, I could play at this weight. So what difference does it make? He's not thinking, yo, but if I come in shape, what does that say to the rest of the team? That lets everybody else know what time. He's not thinking like that. He's not thinking about the rest of the team. Now, I'm going to say it right now. Philadelphia is not winning a championship, and they're not going far in the playoffs because they don't want it for each other. There's no brotherhood there. There's no camaraderie. There's no It's nothing. It's a, a group of individual players trying to get to a common goal but don't care about how they get there, who gets there with them. That's tough to watch, man. That's my, Look, I might be wrong. I might be wrong, but that's that's what I see. So before I get out of here, I do have to touch on the uh, the Jake Paul Anderson Silva fight. Look, I'm be honest, I don't care who wins or loses. Uh, I'm gonna watch it just because I'm a fan of of boxing. I'm a fan of uh, fights. I'm a fan of the sport, and also I do this show. So if something happens, whether great or creepy or freaky or whatever, something wild happens. I need to be able to say that I I saw it. Now, there's a couple questions that come up to me about this fight. Number one, 
How do we honestly feel about Jake Paul at 26 years old fighting a 47-year-old retired MMA champion? Like, does it really matter? And I know the idea is, oh, this is the toughest test. This is the best fighter he's fought. Like, fine, that's that's fine. But doesn't that say a lot more about who he's fought before than it does about what this challenge is? And what I don't like is... Jake Paul is in the gym with real boxing coaches doing real boxing work, really building himself into a a real legit boxer, right? There's no doubt that he works incredibly hard. He's dedicated, he's focused, and he's he's doing all of the work. Love that. Support that, respect that, nothing but respect for that. Where the, the respect goes out the window is you're now taking all of that elite training And using it on guys who don't have that same training. It would be like me at 35 years old going to basketball camps and working with professional trainers and doing all the NBA shooting coaches, getting all of that elite level basketball training and then going to the middle school on the weekend to play against the the 12 and 13 year olds. It would be like, bro, if you get an elite coaching, go with the elite guys. Go with the guys your age group, your skill level. Why are you taking all of this elite stuff and going to play with kids? So when Jake Paul says, oh, people haven't even seen what I can do. Yeah, because number one, you don't show it. And number two, you're choosing to go beat up on guys who don't really stand a chance. It would be like Jake Paul training to fight Floyd Mayweather and then me showing up that night like, whoo, I don't got no, like, what am I going to (laughs) do? That's where my disrespect for him comes in. So in this case, Jake Paul is preparing and working hard like he's about to fight Canelo because that's what he wants. But then he's taking all that skill that he's acquiring and learning and mastering and applying it to a 47-year-old retired MMA champ. Now, Anderson Silva, yeah, is a great fighter. And if it were a street fight, maybe even if it were an MMA fight, maybe he'd still beat the hell out of Jake Paul. But in boxing, you're still 47. And I'm still 26 and I'm stronger than you. And I outweigh you and I'm bigger, faster, younger. And I have an elite team with me who's giving me elite crazy training and I'm going to fight you who's 47 years old who's obviously seven steps slower than you were in your prime who hasn't fought in boxing in this way against someone of my age bracket and my energy level so I would say win or lose what does it mean nothing As a boxing fan, if Jake Paul loses, I don't think more or less of him. I think he is exactly what I thought he was. A guy who's learning the art of boxing, who's getting better, but is still not at a level where he can actually beat the likes of a Canelo. And if he wins, I still don't think he's at that level either. Jake Paul is a is a solid boxer who 
if if you ignore the fact of where he's coming from and you ignore the fact that he's a YouTuber, Disney kid, and just say, hey, here's a 26-year-old man who at 23 years old picked up the sport of boxing and has been training every day since. How good is he? Pretty good. He's pretty good for somebody who just three years ago. Looks good, has all the movements, has the right attitude, has the strong right hand, has the capability to win fights, but has a lot to learn still. That's the reality. That's not hate. That's the reality. So is a 47-year-old Anderson Silva really the bar? And if that is the bar, come on, that's a pretty low bar. So here's the question that popped up into my head this week, because everyone... Now that Jake Paul's name drives numbers, you have every sports outlet talking about Jake Paul and fights. And everyone says the same thing. Jake Paul's great for boxing. He's great for boxing. He's great for boxing. He's bringing a lot of eyes to the sport. And I always said, how? Who's watching boxing now when Jake Paul is not fighting? If people are only watching Jake Paul fights, then they're not coming to the sport of boxing. That would be like the the guys who, who watch the World Cup. But only when the U.S. is in it. Those guys don't watch soccer any other time of the year. So the World Cup isn't bringing the sport of soccer any more prominence. Those people watch the U.S. games. And then when those games are over, they're done with the sport. So what would you really do? Oh, sure. Boxing. People watched others box for a couple hours one night. I guess that's great for the sport. No, that's great for Jake Paul. That's great for whoever was on the fight card and whoever made revenue off of that. But that don't mean nothing for the sport. Because the next event next Saturday on ESPN ain't getting no more views or ratings because Jake Paul fought last week. So my question is, if Jake Paul loses and people say, ah, well, it's over. The ride's over. He lost. It's over. Blah, blah, blah. Bah, who cares? And people stop watching Jake Paul. What is he really doing for boxing? And there you have it. Jake Paul is a self-promoter who is in it for self, who has a financial goal he's trying to get to and is doing what he has to do to get to that financial goal. If in the process he ends up winning a title, hooray, the paycheck is what he wants to do it for. And I'm not mad at that. Like, I'm if you're gonna fight somebody to make money, hey man, make as much as you can. That sucks getting punched in the face. <laughs> but let's stop pretending like Jake Paul is doing something great for boxing. Because guess what? Boxing doesn't need a bad guy. They don't need a villain, and they don't need a hero. What boxing needs is good fights. See, everyone thinks that Floyd Mayweather made all this money because people hated him and he was the villain. The reality was, even as a hater of Floyd, the guy was damn good. And when you watched them fight, God, they couldn't touch him. He was a great fighter. There's been a lot of villains, a lot of guys who were a-holes and jerks and blah, 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 and it don't dry, it don't push the needle. Floyd Mayweather didn't make all the money because people hated him. He made all the money because he was the best. Like, nobody cares if Manny Pacquiao was a good guy or bad guy, did steroids, didn't do so. Who gives a damn? When he fought, it was incredible. 
Hell, Canelo wasn't speaking English for most of his career. No, I gave a damn when Canelo was fighting. Hey, must see. Triple G. Good guy, bad guy, who cares? He was knocking everybody out. Good product. Boxing needs to stop. Boxing fans need to stop. Boxers need to stop. What we want as fans is a good show. I don't need to. Look, I never watched Katie Taylor fight. Never. Never heard of her. Amanda Serrano, I only saw saw a fight one time because of a Jake Paul undercard. But when those two girls were fighting and I just turned it on like, hey, let me see. That fight was unbelievable. I don't care who they are. I don't know who was the A side or B side, good or bad, favored, whatever. I have no idea. That was an incredible show. So when you have fights like Spence versus Crawford, it don't have to have no buildup. Make the fight. Fight. That's a great fight. That's a great matchup. That's going to move the needle. Again, I'll bring up the example of when Nate Diaz fought Conor McGregor. The fight is what people talked about. Not the trash talk leading up. After the fight, the whole conversation was that was one of the greatest fights ever. And people wanted to see it again. And the money was there in the rematch. Boxing is so afraid of like, oh, we got to make the money. Look, Tank Davis versus uh, Ryan Garcia should happen because that's a big fight. Because of their skill. And if the fight ends up being really competitive, we will come back for a two. Hell, people came back for a third Wilder Fury. Guess what? They fight for a fourth time. We're going to come back again. Because when we watched it, those two giants beating up on each other is fascinating. Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua. Nobody wanted to see it going into it. But guess what? Holy cow. Andy Ruiz pulled that off. What? Great product drives the needle. Next time you see there's a rematch, we're going to check it out. If you missed it, oh man, I missed it. Can't believe it. But if boxing is continuously turning over these good matchups, these good fights, the money will come. The problem is, is they keep trying to sell out on one fight because they feel like, oh, we only got one shot at this. Because if Crawford loses or or Spence loses, then nah, nobody wants to see him fight because they're no longer undefeated. Now next, someone else is next in line. Like, no. No, not at all. We will watch it. Give us the fights we want. The fans will come. And if you're not a fan of boxing, but you have a friend who is, if Spence fights Crawford, he's going to want help paying for that event. (laughs) So he's going to invite you to his house. You're going to go. You're going to watch it. And then you might, you might be converted into a boxing fan. Why? Because you're seeing two fighters at the highest level fight each other. So the next time you hear a fight, a boxing match, you're going to be like, oh, let me check that out. Jake Paul fighting Anderson Silva. These aren't two guys at an elite level of boxing fighting each other. Nah, that's not going to move the needle to make you say, I need to see the next fight that happens next week. Jake Paul's not doing anything for boxing. He's doing something for his own bank account. But I'm not hating. Prediction? (sighs) Jake Paul wins. Uh, he probably, 
here's what I think is going to happen. I think that they're going to stop the fight. I, I don't think he's going to knock out Silva, but I think he's going to land a big enough shot to kind of wobble Silva a little bit and then jump on him. And then I think when Silva like just puts the arms up to try to block the shots, the ref stops the fight. Because he's 47 years old. He's already hurt. What's the point of letting him die out there? Like, stop the fight. That's what I think is going to happen. That's my official prediction. Stoppage. Uh, you know, who cares? <laughs> so this week, I know I told you uh, I was hiding my record. I was ashamed of all of my picks and my predictions. And, oh, my God, it's getting embarrassing. It's getting bad. Well, I did the tally, and I realized after uh, this past weekend, my cyber prediction record is 31-28. and 28. I'm still on the winning side. <laughs> I'm still a winning predictor. So, with that being said, I got a whole new bunch of picks for this week. College football, look, uh, at this stage of the season, I will be focusing on the top 25 games. Um so that's what really matters. Those are the are, those teams are separating themselves. I'm not going to pick between two unranked teams. Like who cares? So some someone in the matchup, I'm going to look at the top 25 who's playing this weekend and pick games from there. This week it's slim pickings. We got a couple matchups. Oklahoma State over Kansas State. Uh I think Oklahoma State is just really mature. Um experience, been there, done that. I think Kansas State again like I said all year um they you know nothing special just don't see it tennessee is playing kentucky i know kentucky is good i guess uh but tennessee man their offense is too powerful too fast they're on a roll right now i don't think kentucky can keep up ohio state is traveling to penn state um this one takes a special significance to me because everyone raved about michigan after beating penn state i honestly don't think this game is as close as that game was and that was a 41 to 17 game i think ohio state jumps on them early often i think they get a bunch of turnovers i think it's a pure domination and i think coming off of the iowa game ohio state reestablishes. nah this is what we do ohio state was coming off of a bye week um, Iowa's pretty tough on defense. I know Penn State is a tough place to play, but Ohio State far superior in terms of talent. I think all week the coaches beat up on them about execution and how lackadaisical they were, how it didn't look pretty. And I think they come out and absolutely demolish Penn State. Moving into the NFL, um, I like the Ravens uh, minus one and a half over the Bucks on the Thursday night game. Uh, I think I just the Bucks, man, look, I feel bad for Tom Brady. I think he's going through issues in his life. I think that's actually affecting him. I think this is the first time in his career that his personal life is affecting his, his stuff, his play on the field, because I think for most of the time he's had the support of his family of his wife, his children, everyone was kind of in his corner. I think this is the first time that the family pushed back and his wife said, no, I'm not here for you no more. I'm not supporting this. So now he has to deal with that home life stuff. And I think it's starting to affect him. And I feel bad. But the Bucks, at the same time, just not, just not buying it. I just think that they have issues. I think Brady's focus is a little off. I think there's tension in that locker room because of it. I think he's taking it out on some guys, and I think the 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 harmony is just not there. Um, 
the Bears. Actually, the Cowboys are favored by 10 against the Bears. I'm going to tell you right now, that's absolutely insane. Um, The Bears run the ball. Cowboys struggle against the run. I think Dak Prescott is mediocre at best. Uh, 10, I'll take, I'll take the Bears and the 10 points. I think that game is closer than 10. So I'm taking the Bears plus 10. The Steelers... Uh, the Eagles are favored by 11 over the Steelers. And y'all know how I feel about Kenny Pickett. And I told you I would take anything, any line over the Steelers, but not so fast. I saw the Steelers play against Miami. And the one thing I noticed was the defense plays hard. They're not great, but they play hard. The offense uh, dink and dunk their way up the field, but it, it eats up clock. I don't believe in the Eagles, and I think the Steelers are a little better than, you know, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be getting 11. I'll take the 11. I'll take the Steelers and the 11 points. I think that game is a little bit closer. I think Pickett turns the ball over multiple times. I think it's ugly. I think it's a, a dirty, ugly game, but I, I, I see the Steelers keeping it within 11. This is becoming a weekly thing. Uh, Seattle's favored by three over the Giants. Uh, I'm taking Seattle. <laughs> I keep picking against the Giants. Look, if there's anything you should know about me, I will keep going and going and going until I'm eventually right. One of these weeks, the Giants will be exposed. And I thought it was last week. I thought it was last week against the Jags. The Jags did the same thing Syracuse did. They made a bunch of stupid, stupid penalties late. Got themselves into some trouble and, and, and coughed it up. It's the way it happens. Look, the Giants are getting all the breaks right now. That's what happens when you're winning. That's what happens when your mojo is flowing. But at some point, I think the ride stops. I think it starts this week. I think Geno Smith comes in there. Um, Not to shock anybody, but I think he's just comfortable with where he is and who he is. And I think that team is comfortable with who they are and what they're doing. And they have a clear identity. And I think they take out the Giants. I like Seattle. uh, Take the three points. The Bengals are favored by three and a half over the Packers. Look, I'll be honest. Uh, I said it last week. I think Joe Burrow is starting to put it together. I think they're starting to. I think they're starting to gel. I think they're starting to get their mojo back. And the Packers are dreadful. I think they have issues. I think there's fights between the receivers and Aaron Rodgers. I think there's all types of contention there. I like the Bengals to win by far more than three and a half. So I'll take the Bengals in the three and a half points. Uh, and the Commanders are um, are getting three points versus the Colts. I don't know why. The Colts are bad. They're putting in Sam Ellinger. Um, and I think if the Commanders play Taylor Heineke like they should, they win by they win the game outright. So take the Commanders in the three points. So before I get out of here, I know I said I was going to get out of here before, but I had something I wanted to talk about because uh, I skipped right over it. But it's important for me to talk about. The conversations are starting to come up about, is Bill Belichick really the greatest of all time? Is he overrated? Um, has he been exposed? Um, who's to blame for the Patriots? And blah, 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 blah. I know after Tom Brady won the Super Bowl, um, the conversation came up like, they were talking about it like, oh, who's, you know, who was it? Was it Brady or Belichick? Who deserves more of the credit? Here's what I'm going to say. Name me a coach who's going to win games without elite talent. Name me one. Name me one coach who's won a Super Bowl without a great quarterback, 
or without something. And now I'm going to ask you, does any one of us think that if Bill Belichick was coaching the Bills right now or the Chiefs right now, they wouldn't be favored to win the Super Bowl? We need to stop. How good does Tom Brady look now? Yeah, they won the Super Bowl his first year. You want to know why? Because they were a better team. They were a better roster, way more talented. Yeah, that's why he left New England to go to a more talented team. That's why he picked Tampa Bay because they were loaded. That's why he went there. Yeah, so of course they had a better chance of winning than the Patriots did. But since then, have you noticed? The Bucs are underperforming. The Patriots are overperforming because the Patriots roster is bad. It's bad. Now, if you want to blame him and say, look, he's picking the wrong players. He needs to adjust some things. That's fine. But don't make it seem like Bill Belichick couldn't coach up a great roster. He could coach up a great roster. That's all I'm saying. He could coach up a roster. Don't make it seem like Bill Belichick's not a great coach. He is. And I think he's getting a lot more out of that team than he's given credit for because I think the roster is bad. I think they've got bad players. I think he's piecing it together. And I think the fact that they're even competitive in games is remarkable. That's my time, y'all. Look, I'm out of here. I held you for long enough. A little longer show this week, but I had a lot to say. I told you I had a lot to say. I thank you all for joining me. Uh, go with the picks. Get you some money. Look, I think this might be my week where I make a comeback. Like I said, I'm still 31 and 28, so I got a winning record. So y'all can, y'all can suck it. <laughs> if you hating on my picks, I don't care, bruh. I'm still winning this thing, all right? Look, at some point, the Giants run is going to end, and I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be this weekend. But look, like I said, let's stop adjusting the scales, adjusting the standards based on who you like or don't like. The end game is to win it all. Some of these guys ain't capable of winning at all. Dak Prescott is one of them. So listen, Cowboys Nation, if y'all want to hate me, that's fine. Whatever. Let me know. Look, follow me on all social media platforms at cyber underscore pod. That's S-I-B-R underscore P-O-D. Follow me on there, especially on Twitter. We're going to be doing some things this weekend. Uh, live tweeting and stuff during the games and whatnot. Thank you all for joining. Look, I'll be back next week with another brand new show and some new surprises, some new announcements coming. Uh, And look, I'm going to whisper this because, you know, I don't want to get you all too excited or whatever, but uh, we got some merch coming soon. That's right. Don't tell nobody, though. I'll see y'all next week.